Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled A Pandemic and Bible Prophecy, Part 7. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched self-study people, as well as those who are a part of a church, to find greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, we have many property projects that are keeping us very busy. We are grossly behind our claiming our account on Podbean. Our most recent posting is episode number 7. So we are quite delinquent in making Podbean current. As you may assume, we are aware of this and at present are lacking the time we need to properly set it up. I assure you, we will get this updated shortly. My apologies for any inconvenience this may be causing. Please check our show notes for links to our home website and other information you may want to know. Our show notes are found with every episode. We are located on 22 platforms. Check out the list under the podcast menu item on our homepage found at unchurched.site123.me. Last week, May 16th, we studied Part 6 of our look into a pandemic and Bible prophecy in Chapter 9 of Exodus. In that episode, we found disease, not human disease, but disease of many of the farming animals. It devastated the Egyptian livestock while those held in Egypt, the Israelites, saw no such outcome with their livestock and other animals. The Bible clearly noted the livestock of the Egyptians and distinguished them from the livestock of the Israelites. How did God do this? The people of Israel were in the land of Egypt. How did God distinguish between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt when levying a plague on the Egyptian livestock alone? This week, we look at the sixth plague, boils. This sixth plague is the first one that we can see in Scripture that attacked both man and beast. It was highly injurious, boils. This week, our Scripture reads, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from a furnace, and have Moses throw it into the air while Pharaoh is watching. It will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt and will cause boils to break out and fester on both people and animals in all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses threw it into the air, and it caused festering boils to break out on both people and animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for boils on the magicians 
were on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had predicted to Moses. From Exodus chapter 9, verses 8 through 12. Verse 12 says that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. This is at least the third time we have seen this phrase used in this examination. At first read, without investigation, it may appear to some that the Lord is cheating here with Pharaoh. It might seem that the Lord is making Pharaoh do what God wants him to do so that the Lord can make his point with others. To find out what can be found on this, stay with us as we now start from the beginning. Our first verse, verse 8, read, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses throw it into the air while Pharaoh is watching. Our first observation here is, we know Pharaoh watched this act of God happen. Commentary tells us further. This was a significant command, not only referring to the fiery furnace, which was a type of slavery of the Israelites, but to a cruel rite common among the Egyptians. They had several cities styled Typhonian in which at particular seasons they sacrificed men who were burnt alive and the ashes of the victim were scattered upwards into the air with the view, probably, that where any atom of dust was carried, a blessing was entitled. The like, therefore, was done by Moses, though with a different intention and more certain effect. From the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge When the Egyptians were not wrought upon by the death of their cattle, God sent a plague that seized their own bodies. If lesser judgments do not work, God will send greater. Sometimes God shows men their sin in their punishment. They had oppressed Israel in the furnaces, and now the ashes of the furnace are made a terror to them. The plague itself was very grievous. The magicians themselves were struck with these boils. Their power was restrained before, but they continued to withstand Moses and to confirm Pharaoh in his unbelief till they were forced to give way. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. I think these two commentary passages give us a very clear insight of what is going on here. Hopefully, we have a very clear understanding. The first thing we can see is found in our first commentary passage. It read, They had several cities styled Typhonian, in which at particular seasons they sacrificed men who were burnt alive, and the ashes of the victim were scattered upwards in the air with the view, probably, that where any atom of dust was carried, a blessing was entailed. I doubt any of us can conclude what we read here in Exodus is that of a blessing. This thinking is reinforced by this comment. The like, therefore, was done by Moses, though with a different intention 
and more certain effect. So, without the Egyptian form of fiery sacrifice of men, Moses and Aaron did the same thing in front of Pharaoh, with the result being boils instead of death by fire. At least, the suffering by fire ends in a comparatively short time of excruciating pain compared to the boils that were many days of suffering. Something we found in Matthew Henry's commentary was this. If lesser judgments do not work, God will send greater. Here, in Exodus, we see this. Each new plague is worse than the previous one or ones. We are now six plagues of ten total. We see no signs of Pharaoh seeing things God's way by, at the very least, letting the Israelites go. This is why each of these judgments is worse than the previous one. We should also see and note that God does not levy the harsher judgments first. He meters judgment based on a man's or woman's willingness to hear him, who will also subsequently change their behavior to that of a more godly person worthy of no longer being under judgment. Yet, with Pharaoh, we do not see this taking place. He is still stubbornly resistive. This is why commentary stated, Sometimes God shows men their sin in their punishment. Keep in mind that sometimes does not mean every time or all the time. Only sometimes. Notice further, they had oppressed Israel in the furnaces, and now the ashes of the furnace are made a terror to them. The plague itself was very grievous. The magicians themselves were struck with these boils. As a result, they continued to withstand Moses and to confirm Pharaoh in his unbelief till they were forced to give way. How interesting is that? The magicians finally give way, but Pharaoh does not. What is up with that? Now, in verse 9, we see the second part of God's statement to Moses. It will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt and will cause boils to break out and fester on both people and animals in all the land of Egypt. While commentary focused more on the human side of this issue, notice too what scripture said about these boils. They broke out on the animals in addition to them breaking out on people. I seriously doubt if you saw boils on a cow, you would want to eat the meat or drink the milk they provide. No one thinking with a reasonable mind would want to eat meat that came from an animal suffering with boils. In any case, the manner in which this plague was produced was significant, though it cannot be explained with positive certainty especially as we are unable to decide exactly what was the natural disease which lay at the foundation of the plague. At the command of God, 
Moses and Aaron took handfuls of soot and sprinkled it towards the heaven, so that it became dust over all the land of Egypt, i.e., flew like dust over the land, and became boils on man and beast. From Kyle and Delich Biblical Commentary on the Old Testament. Kyle and Delich explains more clearly this plague. This gives us better understanding of what was going on in Egypt during this plague. To say the least, this is sorely grievous. We see further, the magicians themselves were struck with these boils. Their power was restrained before, but they continued to withstand Moses and to confirm Pharaoh in his unbelief till they were forced to give way. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. We see that these magicians of Pharaoh have finally hit their limit. Now, after six plagues are produced by God, these magicians of Pharaoh finally relent in their stubbornness and give way. This invokes a question for us today. How stubborn are we? Is our modern-day plague from God in a similar fashion as the plagues were to Pharaoh in Egypt? As God's people today, both questions require we answer them. Furthermore, the ashes scattered in the air by Moses did not produce defilement, but boils or blisters, and we have no ground for supposing that they were regarded by the Egyptians as a religious defilement. And, lastly, there was not one of the plagues in which the object was to pronounce condemnation upon the Egyptian worship or sacrifices, since Pharaoh did not wish to force the Egyptian idolatry upon the Israelites, but simply to prevent them from leaving the country. From Kyle and Delich Biblical Commentary on the Old Testament. This should clarify the reasoning of God for these plagues being brought upon the Egyptians. Kyle and Delich Commentary stated clearly that there was not one of the plagues in which the object was to pronounce condemnation upon the Egyptian worship or sacrifices. Why was that? It was that since Pharaoh did not wish to force the Egyptian idolatry upon the Israelites, but simply to prevent them from leaving the country. There it is. All these plagues are about the only issue of Pharaoh not letting God's people, the Israelites, go. One has to wonder, what angst do we experience in life? That is only because God wants something from us which we will not release to Him. We only simply need to let go of something as simple as Pharaoh letting the Israelites go. If we do not let it go, we can see just how much anguish we are headed for if, like Pharaoh, we resist God. How much of our anguish What we may today call bad luck is sourced in our resistance to let God have something he wants us to let go to him. What blessing or blessings 
does he have for us that we do not receive because it is on us to first let go of something he wants? Pharaoh is a great example of how badly we can suffer by holding on to something God wants us to give to him. Now, notice this. These boils were the first plague which attacked and endangered the lives of men, and in this respect it was the first foreboding of the death which Pharaoh would bring upon himself by his continued resistance. The priests were so far from being able to shelter the king from this plague by their secret arts that they were attacked by them themselves were unable to stand before Moses, and were obligated to give up all further resistance. But Pharaoh did not take this plague to heart, and was given up to the divine sentence of hardening. From Kyle and Delich Biblical Commentary on the Old Testament This brings us to our final point. It starts with these boils being the first plague which attacked and endangered the lives of men, and in this respect it was the first foreboding of the death which Pharaoh would bring upon himself by his continued resistance. Exodus chapter 9 verse 12 reads, But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not listen to them just as the Lord had predicted to Moses. John Wesley's notes on the Bible reads, Now the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Before he had hardened his own heart and resisted the grace of God, and now God justly gave him up to his own heart's lusts, to strong delusions, permitting Satan to build and harden him. Willful hardness is commonly punished with judicial hardness. Let us dread this as the sorest judgment a man can be under on this side of hell. Did you notice the last two comments in that commentary by John Wesley? The first and most important read, Willful hardness is commonly punished with judicial hardness. If we harden our heart, is that willful hardness or judicial hardness? Anything willful is orchestrated by the one who is willful. Anything judicial is orchestrated by an authority such as the police, the courts of law, or, in this case, God. If it is punishment of God by God, then it is his judicial hardness rendered upon Pharaoh because of Pharaoh's willful hardness. How many of us bear willful hardness of heart, mind, and spirit? We can see here, if we do not seek forgiveness, we will only go so long before we experience judicial hardness caused by God allowing it into our lives, which is orchestrated, as commentary said, by Satan. 
We saw this in the same commentary passage. The clarity, John Wesley's commentary said, speaking of Pharaoh, God justly gave him up to his own heart's lusts, to strong delusions, permitting Satan to blind and harden him. Next week, we will look at the seventh plague, hail. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 19, we see this hail is very large. Verse 19 reads, So now, send instructions to gather your livestock and all your possessions in the fields to a safe place. Every person or animal caught in the field and not brought into the house, the hail will come down on them, and they will die. Lay or download next week's episode, A Pandemic and Bible Prophecy, Part 8, from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, Please check out our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you will find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled How to Be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode title Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on 22 podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. 
Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.